vampires, everybody. Who are you? Jessica? Oh, I, I mean, I rarely know that answer, but I assume that I'm Jessica. <laughs> I don't know who I am anymore. Um, it's Mickey. Dude, uh, so I haven't I haven't watched any movies lately. I feel like, you know, like Mortal Kombat came out and there was nothing in me that really wanted to watch it. So I didn't. But yeah. other people did, and I, I like feel I'm like, should I watch it? But like the the reviews were mixed. A lot of them were just like, yeah, it's fun. It's exactly what you think. It's Mortal Kombat, except you know, it's like gory but stupid. And mm -hmm. I think I just have no room for that right now. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I just like was not into watching it. I think I have to be in a certain mood. Like I have to be in a mood where I don't care, so I don't judge it too harshly. I'm the same way. I, you know, I know people who loved it, but people who loved it were also like, you know, I know a lot of people who loved the original one, the original movie. And I was like, it was, it, I'm, I was talking about it last night. I just missed that time period where like I was interested in the original movie. I, I saw the original movie and I was just like, yeah, I just, it's not doing it for me, you know? And, and, um, if I'd see, if I had been like a year younger or, you know, if it come yeah. out a few years before, I would have fucking loved it, but it just, it didn't. So the Actually, new one, I, the new one comes out, I'm like, I just, doesn't no yeah it's not it's not calling to me if you will that's, um that's how to put it so i've just been watching shows and i i finally like uh better call saul was one and i had started um watching it in the first season then i just like stopped because there's too much tv i think i was like sick of the breaking bad thing which is kind of funny because that's i i watched breaking bad in its entirety and then watched El Camino and then uh and then I restarted Better Call Saul and it's like way better than I kind of anticipated so I'm, I'm in the fourth season I just finished it it's like a lot more cool <laughs> um and I like Saul's character because he's a piece of shit and like you're, you don't really like him right. um and so it kind of explains his presence and being in Breaking Bad. I don't know. I, I really liked it. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would, to be honest. It's like a lawyer show, but like also has cartel shit. And it's like still kind of funny um, yeah. in like a dark comedy sort of way. Uh, so I, I was like pleasantly surprised. I was like super into it. You know, like even uh, like I think maybe the third season, I was like, okay, this is like getting good. And then I would think about it afterwards. And I was like, okay, I actually like this show enough to finish it. Um, and then there's a bunch of new shows that have come on recently in Netflix and HBO and they're like Victorian era shows, um, which is fine. You know, I've always liked that, you know, um, very much like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen type of like powers and witchcraft and whatever. So The Nevers uh, yeah. is on HBO. Um, it is very much like a Victorian X-Men with women uh, which I'm totally into. Sure. I think her name is Laura Donnelly. I might be uh, mixing her up, but God, she's amazing. Uh, there's only three episodes out, I'm pretty sure. And there's like this really great fight scene um, that takes place, which is like super impressive. It, I don't know. I don't want to give all of it away, but it has to do with like a lake and a chain and then like powers. But it, it, I'm like downplaying it, but it's like really cool. And it's surprisingly violent and like pretty dark and like, I I like all the characters. I'm like super into it. Um, it's kind of weird. I think Joss Whedon directed three of the first episodes and that was kind of swept under the rug because he's being canceled, you know, blah, blah, blah for mm -hmm. being an asshole. But like, I don't know who's not an asshole in this world at, at this point. But I think it's really good. I'm, I'm, 
uh, I'm excited to to watch uh, the rest of the series. I think it's clever. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see, though. It's like surprisingly more violent than I expected. And then um, Shadow and Bone, which is I I don't know. Is it from a book? Do you know? I don't. This was like surprising. I just kind of saw the ad on Netflix and I was like, yeah, I'm bored enough to start an, another show. Mm-hmm. Um, I only watched the first episode so far. It's interesting. It has to do with like uh they're in this type of world where there's like a big they call it the fold mm-hmm. um which it looks like you know a, it's a, like annihilation type like there's a there's a thing that they walk into and it's like complete darkness and there's like creatures in there and stuff and so they've been sending people in there now i i'm not sure what like time period we are in but it's very much like steampunky ish if if you will era mm-hmm. so like we're still in a past society Um, it's, it's interesting so far. I I like the whole, um, mystical presence in it. Um, I don't quite know what's going on yet, but I, it sounds really cool and, and very much like there's dragons and like ancient, you know, (laughs) yeah, it looks like it's based in a book. Yeah. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Stephen King. Um, you know, the way he describes, uh, the, pre-world in the dark tower i guess you i can't remember but like the world before um i don't know my my brain is mush right now i definitely just won't be doing it but it reminds me of this like old world like darkness and like nothing can grow and there's like mutant creatures that were born from the dark and stuff like that so i don't know i haven't watched it yet um Hmm. it sounds promising um if you guys have watched those shows hit me up because i feel like no one watches them um, and then I watched The Handmaid's Tale, which I do. You watch it? Did you watch it? No. No to both. No, I haven't watched it. Um, I, I've seen. You know, I've seen the movie. You know that came out in like the early '90s, but I never saw. I never watched the show. It's uh, the show is. I have a like a love hate relationship with it, but um, I was disappointed in the first three episodes. Uh, yeah, Elizabeth Moss is like an incredible actress. I. I really think she is but it's just like most of the almost completely the first three episodes i thought were trash except for like the last 10 minutes of the third episode and i felt like this is where the season should have started it's like Mm. filler it's like filler torture porn though and i rarely use that term because i don't think it fits in most situations but it was like it was just dragging and i was like this has no impact whatsoever because you guys have done this before it's just like doesn't mean anything Right. Um, I thought her directing style was a little strange. Like, there's a lot of slow motion parts where, like, it really didn't need it. It didn't add anything to it. It looked stupid and janky. If 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 that makes sense, like, mm-hmm. you know, they're running from gunshots and it just like it just really did nothing for me. <laughs> so, except for the last ten minutes of the of the third episode, I think um only three episodes were released early, and then the fourth one comes on. And honestly, I I just wanted to end. Um, which sucks, but we'll see. We'll see what the end comes in. Maybe it will surprise me. There's a few things in like the second season that I really hated, and then it kind of came back up. And I, I liked the third season, but honestly, it just it's like it's dragging on this terrific story for what I don't I don't know. Um, but that's all I've been watching. <laughs> a I lot mean, of TV, a lot of streaming shows popping in. Yeah, I. I... I mean, you're gonna be disappointed. I, I didn't. I haven't like the, as far as TV goes. I we finished Made for Love on HBO, which it's fine. I mean, that's I I, I felt at the end of the season. If it, if if there is 
going to be more than one season. I, I, I don't know. But at least where this ends, I was like, yeah, I'm exactly where I was at the beginning, which was like, this is fine. It's there's parts that I think are, are clever and good. But all in all, I just it, it didn't it doesn't blow me away. Um, we did rewatch. Um, I did rewatch Nora from Queens, which because it's on HBO Max. And I remember watching that first episode oh, yeah. and just being like, ugh, you know, and just not. But there for some odd reason, it was one of those shows where I was like, I'll watch another episode. Why not? And it grew on me. And then by like the end of the the season, I was like, I love this show. And I do. I really like Nora from Queens a lot. And so I am looking forward to second season, too. But that first episode was just like, oh, it's just so brutally just everything about it just grated on my nerves. But for some inexplicable reason, I was like, I'll give it a go, another go. And um, and so this will be the second time I've, I've watched that series. And I've, I really I, I feel like you have to watch the first episode to kind of get the premise. But then, like, once you get past it, it's it's actually really enjoyable. Um, but aside from that, like I was telling you before we recorded, like, you know, my wife went away again, um, you know, for a week for the first time in like over a year and a half. So it was like just me watching a bunch of crap that like I just I probably wouldn't probably wouldn't watch with, you know, um, as much of I just binged a bunch of movies that I've, I've, I've had on video. And like uh, I watched a movie called Don't Answer the Phone. It's a I feel like it's a uh, it's like a old uh urban legend movie right isn't it no no this one is more of like this one is basically like the los angeles version of maniac the movie we did um a year and some time ago but it doesn't have any of the like with maniac you got joe spinell playing frank zito who's like this like you know uh you know uh, serial killer killing women and like scalping them and, and and you know and and talking to himself and having these weird dialogues and like kind of having a weird romance with this photographer lady don't answer the phone is kind of like it's the la version he's like you know it's a serial killer who's played by i don't his name is nicholas worth you've seen uh-huh. him in stuff i'm trying to remember what um oh I was he's to, um it's a trauma film uh i think trauma did do some distribution on it but i don't think it started off as one of their their films but um he um he was in the movie dark man nicholas worth was in the movie dark man he oh plays, yeah he's a bald guy who's like mr duran i swear i don't know what happened to the money you know like <laughs> yeah. he, um, that guy he plays like this serial killer who rapes women and kills them and and um uh it's the thing with 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 maniac and i i think this is like has is a testament to um to both joe spinell and and william lustig who directed it like even though you are appalled by by the, the serial killer in that you still kind of you're fascinated by him you kind of want to follow him around and, and see what makes him tick and, and it's it's scary you know and don't answer the phone is just more of like the soundtrack is fucking brilliant, but the, the, it just it didn't do it for me. I was like, man, he's just he's just killing women, and uh, I'm not fascinated by what is making his mind tick, you know, or what's what's making him operate, you know. And um, the cops in it are fucking garbage, which is you know <laughs> pretty realistic. But um, like I'm like I just don't like anybody in this movie. Um, there's just nothing about it, it, it's a movie I own. Uh, I will you know I would watch it again, but it's just one of those. Um, it just didn't it didn't grab me the way uh maniac did i did watch yeah. this i watched a, a fantastic movie called the glove with john saxon um which uh, is probably one of the most misleading um video or poster box art um you know uh i, I was like oh it's gonna be this like kind of weird science fiction movie about like john saxon is this like bounty hunter chasing after this like criminal with this weird like you know robot glove hand it's not that at all in fact everything about the glove should not work it's a you know it takes place now until you know la 1979 or whatever so when it came out you know it's uh but uh the glove is basically a riot glove and it's basically this like um 
this John Saxon plays this bounty hunter um, who uh, down on his luck, you know, he uh, he needs money to pay his uh, his, you know, his ex-wife so he can continue seeing his daughter. And uh, that's that's in peril. And and he finds out there's this bounty for this like guy who's going around killing all these old prison guards with this riot glove. He's just in the riot glove is just this black glove with like these metal plates on it and just like you can basically just smash it you know and he's beating these prison guards to death and you find out early on that he's beating these prison guards to death because they fucking tortured him in prison and so it's like oh well i'm already on this guy's side but i like john saxon too so what what's gonna happen like basically it's a movie where like the two the two characters that you're like focusing on they're both good guys and you don't want to see them kind of like come mm-hmm. to blows but you know that that's what's going to happen and you know like john saxon's like hey man i had nothing personal i just need to collect the bounty on your head because you know um i need to see my daughter again that's what's more important to me and the guy's like look man i just want to fucking beat up these prison guards and play blues or, or blues guitar so you know nothing personal and it's like it's like it's, it was it surprised me especially because most of the movie is john saxon doing narration and i'm like usually in a movie when you've got voiceover oh. like that it kills it I loved it. I was like, this movie was awesome. Um, I got that. Interesting. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It, it was really interesting. I um, I watched um, I watched some something weird stuff, like some of my old something weird videos that I, I have. Oh yeah. Up. I, guess I watched what a few of those. Yeah, and and I watched Guess What Happened to Count Dracula, and I watched a great one called Nymphs Anonymous, which is this comedy of this woman who, uh, just can't stop fucking dudes and like uh you know it's like a, it's a exploit nudie exploitation film from the 60s but she can't stop fucking dudes and and uh she joins this support group for like nymphomaniacs and meanwhile her husband's so um he's just he can't get over it so he puts on a weird monster mask and he's like shooting dudes and then he ends up like i don't know he ends up basically becoming this gigolo it's this really ridiculous sex comedy where like every 10 minutes clothes get thrown off and there's some romping around but it's like it's the 60s so there's nothing like it's not even like soft core it's just like they're really just rolling around you're like oh that's happening and i guess in the 60s if you were you know and you were in a theater and it was whatever but it was fun. It's actually, but actually it was like this is this movie's making me laugh out loud like i'm actually enjoying it like it's fun for what it is um i watched a great uh, la you know a thriller called out of bounds with anthony michael hall it was like right after like breakfast club and weird science where he plays like this iowa bumpkin who like comes to la to visit his brother and like of course as it happens in lax like every time his bag gets switched with like another bag and like the bag he ends up with has a bunch of drugs and the drug dealer's like uh what the fuck and he ends up killing anthony michael hall's like brother and sister-in-law but the cops think that anthony michael hall did it so he's like on the run and he's also like got to try to find the killer but he's got to try to avoid the cops and jenny wright from near dark who's like so criminally underrated she plays like this like la punk girl who helps him like kind of like a lighter version of like the joaquin phoenix character eight millimeter where it's like i'm gonna help you blend into this underground world and you know um, but it's a lot lot lighter than that it's not as sleazy as as eight millimeter and um (laughs) But it's got, you know, it's got a great soundtrack. And, like, at one point, they're in this L.A. club. And Susie and the Banshees are in there playing. And it's like, that's fucking cool. Like, literally, they're basically lip-syncing um, Cities yeah. and Dust. And uh, it was great. Uh, uh, that's a lot of fun. And then um, I watched um, I watched this movie called Death Game, which I've been I've had on video for over a year now. And I've been really wanting to watch. Uh, Eli Roth remade this movie uh, as a movie called Knock Knock, which I've never seen. Oh, we talked about this. Like- 
yeah, it's the remake of the uh, Keanu was in the um, remake, yeah. remake, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, we talked about this before, but I still never seen it, and I know I know you've mentioned it. I I had never seen it before, and I I, I finally got around to watching it, and I fucking loved it. And I was like, I loved it so much that I was like, I am never gonna watch the remake because I can't imagine how because I mean, the, Keanu's not a good actor. I love I love Keanu. <laughs> I love Keanu, and, and it's great. But it's like there's something about like I think the reason why I can't buy I don't want to see the remake is because the guy who plays the the Keanu character in the original is a Seymour Cassell who was in a lot of Cassavetti stuff. He was in um he's in Rushmore. He plays Max Fisher's dad. He's in Life Aquatic. He plays uh, Bill Murray's friend who gets eaten by the or killed by the tiger or the whatever shark that that uh that Bill Murray's hunting. But he's such a nor he's such a great everyman, you know. He's such a normal guy. Like you would he's so unassuming. Whereas Keanu Reeves and I love Keanu Reeves. You're never gonna buy him. It's just like oh it's just an average Joe. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing average Joe about Keanu Reeves. I'm sorry. Like, it's it's not a bad thing. It's just a bad thing in this this context. Um, and uh, Sandra Locke and um, Colleen Camp are, like, these two women who, like, basically, like, they show up at his door. And they're like, hey, it's raining. Can we come in and use your phone? And then they end up seducing him. And then they just fucking torture him for, like, 24 hours. And it's fucking brutal. And it's really un- uncomfortable. And um, everybody's great in it. Seymour Cassell is dubbed over. Because I guess he had a fight with the director, and he just like so in post they fucking they just dubbed over his voice. Damn. So it's weird, <laughs> but like because I'm like watching, I was like that's not his fucking voice, and then I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's definitely not his voice. But it's still a really great movie. Um, I watched that, and then Joe Bob, um, you know, he came back uh for season three, and he showed a trauma film called Mother's Day, which I hadn't watched in a long time. Um, but you know, it's funny in between the last time I watched it and this time I had gone to film school and one of my teachers is one of the leads in mother's day. Um, really? she never talked about it. I mean, like I was like, I knew she was familiar. I looked her up and I was like, Oh, she was in mother's day, but I hadn't watched mother's day since having her as a teacher. And, um, I was just like, yeah, that's definitely her. And, um, uh, I don't know if you ever seen mother's day. They made, they did a remake of that with Rebecca DeMornay. Uh, I like the original. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty rough. You know, it's a definitely it becomes a rape revenge film towards the end. Um, what, what doesn't at this, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's uh, and that was pretty much it. And I watched uh, the last movie I watched was this uh, another John, movie with John Saxon. I've been on a John Saxon kick. I watched a, an Italian horror film that was made in Atlanta in your fucking neck of the woods now uh, called Cannibal Apocalypse, um, where Vietnam vets. um you know they they have this disease where like um they become cannibals and uh you know john saxon plays a, a guy who's like a vietnam oh vet you're who, in a john saxon role that's yeah yeah uh john saxon is a vietnam vet who um you know his buddy from vietnam who basically like there was like, a weird cannibal experience in in you know in back in nam and now his buddy comes back and it triggers his own like oh shit what if i'm like gonna be a cannibal too and then um you know, a, a weird cannibal outbreak happens in uh, Atlanta, and it's fucking weird. It's a weird, uh, it's a weird movie. And I, uh, oh, and then I, I went on one more. Uh, I went, I went on a Fulci kick, and I rewatched Zombie. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I really dig that one, man. That one is a, uh, that one gets me, man. That like it's, it's never gonna be. They're never gonna be as good as um, the Romero ones, you know. And the Romero ones are fun, and they have a point to them, you know. There's like there's a poignancy to them. Whereas Fulci's Zombie, it's like it's not fun. It's dreary. It's depressing because it's like there's no, 
there's no shred of hope at the end of it. It's just fucking like, oh man, everything's gone to shit. Um, and I really dug that. And uh, I, I really, yeah, so I went on my little Fulci kick and uh, and then I went on another John Saxon kick and then that was pretty much it. I, uh, a lot of old That's stuff. a lot of stuff, yeah. Yeah, I just caught up on a lot of old stuff. I didn't watch anything new. I haven't watched, you know, like you said, I haven't watched Mortal Kombat and um, it's just, I have no interest in it. And like, I know people were excited about Godzilla versus Kong, but for me, it was like, I, that's a movie I would want to see in the theater. Like yeah, inside. I, I don't want to go to the drive-in. I want to see that inside with the fucking sound, like <clears throat> blasting. And that's how I feel about Dune, the new Dune. Mm. We'll see. Yeah. I want to see that in the theater. Speaking of, I know that yeah. um in LA, New Beverly is opening back June 1st, which is good considering um at least for, Hollywood, you know, the arc light is gone yeah. for now. Um, the Egyptian is still being renovated. Uh, there's uh, the Silent Movie Theater, um, which is now being run by Brain Dead Studios, but we were kind of talking a little shit on the uh, the schedule because it's like, it's like parts of it are good and another part are like kind of basic and I don't know what they're going for. I think they're trying to just get people there, but like I... I'm also at that point where I'm like, nothing they do is going to bring back the feeling of the original Santa family. Yeah. Um, which yeah. sounds a little bitchy, but like at least um, they'll be showing it too. So those are like two places that people can go see movies. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I know that I've talked a massive amount of shit about Arclight, but I am, I, I am disappointed that they're fucking it's, it's uh, not, I mean, I'm more disappointed about like the dome, you know, because like I have such fond memories of like, I have fond memories of movies that I didn't like at the Dome, you know? Like, I yeah. have fond memories of going to see Hateful Eight, which I did not – I was that's the first Tarantino movie where I was like, I'm not into this, you know? But I got to see it on 70 millimeter at the fucking Dome, had an intermission. Yeah. It was I've wonderful, seen, you know? like, once a year, they used to show 2001 Space Odyssey in 70 millimeter at the Dome, and I would go all the time because it's it's incredible to see it like that in, yeah. in, in the Dome. And if you've ever – it's like a giant dome with a giant screen – And, and, you know, I would sit all the way in the back and just like take it all in. And I am, I, I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, that they'll save the dome at least, but again, it's just like another thing that's just not going to be the same. Just like, you know, you mentioned your trip to Amoeba. Yeah. I went to the new, to the new Amoeba. Yeah. And it was, it was, uh, I don't know if, I mean, uh, for anybody who's listening, you know, Amoeba is like a uh, famous, like a, 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 you know, a landmark in LA. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the new they 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 closed the location on Sunset and they moved it over to Hollywood right across the street from Pantages. But it's basically it's kind of like the way I described to somebody. You know, um, there's an amoeba in San Francisco and there's an amoeba in Berkeley, and this one just kind of falls in between, like the size wise. And like it was just, it's great that amoeba's still around. You know, and I I I don't um, I'm not it's not my favorite record store in the world, but it's it again it's one of those things where it's like same thing with the dome and, and ArcLight. It's like I didn't care for ArcLight. I didn't care for the fucking audiences that would go to ArcLight. But it was a part of like when I first moved to LA, my our film, you know, one of our teachers on our first day of class, and it became like a reoccurring joke. We'd always quote him where he would be like, he would you know be like, so and so, what brought you all the way out to Los Angeles? across the street from the world famous Cinerama Dome, you know, cause I went to school across the street <laughs> and like, it was like, it was world famous, you know? And like, um, it was an important part of LA and the idea that like these places are getting taken down for like fucking luxury. For luxury. Part- yeah. It's, it's disgusting. Like that. And anyone who's lived 
in there long enough and, and especially the people who have lived there their entire lives seeing their neighborhoods decimated for fucking stadiums and and whatnot it just is like can't we just can't we just keep this like and also it's like it's also like okay i mean here's the thing is that i would almost find it more palatable if it was like yeah we're gonna tear down the old amoeba and we're gonna build like new apartment buildings but we're gonna make it affordable housing for like you know so we can help curb the homeless population it's like no it's it's let's fucking let's build apartment buildings for people who the only rich assholes who can afford them you know and i'm sorry if you're a rich asshole who's gonna get a place in the new amoeba apartment building you're a rich asshole you know that that you know what i mean like we've got such a bad homeless problem problem that we should be fixing that problem and helping those people instead of like you know basically making la unlivable for anybody who you know who doesn't make yeah. over x amount of money you know it's just and so Honestly, to tear down these was, landmarks that was my problem my i uh the uh what was that um movie theater that came on <laughs> i can't even think of the name right now the one from austin the alamo alamo god damn my brain is mush anyway the alamo had opened in downtown la but it was so expensive and mm-hmm. uh not only that like their their drinks were also taxed so you had to pay an additional like 10 percent just yeah. to like be in there have one drink it, it was just ridiculous and i wrote them um it's funny because one of their workers were like i was like why is the tax not included in the pricing like so people can you know like afford it or like you know usually places like that ate the tax um for you like arc light and etc you yeah. would pay an additional tax on food and uh it just came they were cheap it just came down to they were cheap and i was like you guys are in downtown la do you know i was like you none of the people who live here can afford it except for the people living above fucking whole foods which is the worst idea i've ever heard of like why do you want right. to live above whole foods anyway but uh i just didn't like i didn't like that at all and i it's sad Cause like one part of me, I was like, I left LA, but like also so many good parts of it are gone now. Yeah, that I'm, like, I'm like, oh, well, no one can enjoy it. You know, the best that can happen is that like, you know, a new crop of people step in and like, I mean, cause like what you were saying about Cine Family and the new studio and like, yeah, like this, you know, or the new, the new company that's operating it. And like, I haven't been there, so I'm not, you know, I don't want to, I do want to talk shit, but I don't want to like go overboard on the shit. Cause I don't know, you know, but here's the point is the Cine Family. I think, you know, like the new place is like showing, I think they're showing Mrs. Doubtfire, which is fucking great, man. I can see that anywhere. I can go fucking, I'm sure AMC will fucking do like a, uh, hey, we're playing older movies like Mrs. Doubtfire or, yeah. or something like that. I went to fucking Cinefamily and that's where I got to fucking finally see Ken Russell's The Devils for the first time. You know, like I went to the Cinefamily and saw some cool, fu- I saw last night at the Alamo. Remember, I, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum and I don't care, I'm going to talk about it again, but Cinefamily did that awesome run. That we, you and I both, I think we both have T-shirts of. Um, oh yeah, because it's the. Are you talking about the brother from another planet? Where the yeah, yeah. that yeah, it was like the eighties and eighties uh, independent films. Yeah. Yeah, I actually I took a screen. I have it. I posted it the other day because it has like the whole lineup on the back of the shirt, and I was like, mm-hmm. this is so cool. Like, there's nowhere else that I would have been able to see that, and I feel like that's what's missing out of Brain Dead Studios. No offense to them, yeah, but it's just not like I'm never going to be able to see like that weird 1990s French film where like Vincent Cassell plays the devil. You know what I mean? I'm just, I, yeah. I just don't think that it's there or there yet. You know, maybe they'll get like a better program or something. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And like, and, and like, I, I still, I still have the flyer from that, that run of like eighties independent films. I took my, my mom came to visit LA and I took her to go see eating Raul 
um, that, and which was a huge mistake. Like I had already seen it a million times, but I took her, my baby, my, my little brother who, who was, was in town. We, we were surprising my mom. Um, I took them, my mom, you know, and, and my, my wife now, you know, like we went and it's like this, you know, it's this sex comedy about like, you know, uh, this, you know, couple that seduces or lures in swingers and then clubs them over the head and steals their money and stuff like that. And it's fucking hilarious. And I took my mom to go see it, you know, and it was like one of those great moments that like, I'm, I'm like, I can't believe I took my mom to see this movie. Um, she had the time of her life. Like she, like, I was like, mom, cause they were handing out eating Raul condoms at the beginning when she grabbed, she grabbed them. Like mom, just giving them, I don't, the idea of you taking them home with you is just so fucking horrifying <laughs> to me. But like she had so much fun and it was like, I got to see that. And Mary Warnoff was there, you know, she's in eating Raul. Mm-hmm. She's also principal Togar in Rock and Roll High School. She was there like doing a Q and A and she seemed so fucked up and it was awesome. It was such, such a great time. And like, I got to see border radio with Allison Anders talking afterwards about like, filmmaking and 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 at one point during her like q a like she was like trying to remember something and alex cox the director of repo man like chimed in from the back of the theater and i was like this is fucking this is my heaven and a bunch of douchebags um who operated cine family ruined that experience for everybody because they were fucking pieces of shit but um at the same time i have some such fond memories of that place and yeah you know and i so i agree it's like it's i i want them to get there but they're not starting off on a good foot and uh i am excited about new beverly reopening because again i mean new beverly has been a was a there was a time when like i think even before you moved out to la when i was so when every when i was in my really just every i think everybody who moves out to la has like a dark period at some point it's usually the first year year you're there you're like this is great and the second year like okay and then at one point you have that you know the the long dark you know I'm, night. i i came in in the long in the long night and that's what helped me is new beverly is cinema yeah. family is the egyptian is the arc light i i would just go to the movies alone i still do all the time because i hate waiting for people you know if someone's like wait to see that i'm like no i'm so impatient you're kidding i'm not i'm never gonna wait but exactly it's it, it's it's what saved me and it's what saved la for me too you know that yeah. first I think um, I, I was born in LA, but I hadn't lived there, you know? Yeah. And so that first year is like what really made me love uh, all the theaters in LA for sure. But it's, I don't think it's sad to see what the pandemic did to, to businesses too. Yeah, so it is, it is. We'll, and like, we'll see. I mean, um, you know, I, I talked about this when we did this episode, but when, you know, I remember before Tarantino even bought, uh, the new Beverly. Like I remember going there. I think this had to have been 2007, 2008. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but they were like they closed it down for renovations. But then they reopened it for one night only, and it was to show the movie Demons. And you know, when we were waiting in line outside, and they had a motorcycle outside, you know, which kind of like in the you know, in the movie, um, they were like, hey, you know, they went up and down the line, like, hey guys, um, put your wallets away. Uh, this screening's free. And we were like, what the fuck? And like, we got to see a free screening of the movie Demons in the New Beverly while it was still being renovated. So like when you're walking around the lobby, it was still like, there's like tarp and all. It just looks so eerie. Yeah. It was like, you felt like you shouldn't have been there. And you got to see this fucking cool movie. And it's like those moments that got me through such dark, dark times in L.A. Um, and I got to see so many movies that I love in New Beverly. Um, and then, you know, it changed. You know, and then there was a time when it changed and I went to Cine Family and then, you know, when, when the family went out, I went to the Egyptian. And I had, had you know, again, like you're you're absolutely right. Like the, the, going to these theaters, they 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 saved my life many a times. And and I don't, and unfortunately, I never had that experience at the ArcLight as much, but I definitely had it those like these 
places where like I don't know I felt like a real sense of like community um and yeah you're right i mean the pandemic really fucking destroyed that and and it, it breaks my heart you know like it makes me sad that beyond fest isn't going to be happening at the egyptian this year i'm sure it's going to happen somewhere else i'm sure they're going to work something out somewhere but like i had fond memories of like you know i remember you me and heather going up in the balcony and watching uh suspiria when they did that restoration and just oh god still it, it was like yeah what made me think about 4k honestly i didn't care before and then i saw that and i was like I was like, oh my god, it looks so good. It looks so good. When you can see a movie that you've seen several times and you're seeing it like you're seeing it for the first time, it's yeah. it's there's it's such a wonderful feeling. And so I have these these memories and and um and and I don't know, hopefully there'll be new memories coming, you know, in the future, but uh that's definitely a chapter that's that's closing and and it does break my heart a bit and um you know, and 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 again, mm-hmm. the, I mean, when you texted me about the arc light, I was like, we should we should take we should buy it. You know, but none of us. Have to pay, so, um, yeah, it's going to be like hundreds of millions of dollars, but that's fine. I'm sure someone's going to step in. I wish really... I had that much, you know. I wish I had that much chump change to like throw yeah. at a property, you know. Like, oh, I'm a billionaire. I'll just like throw a, a couple hundred million. Blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. We'll see what the future holds. You know, I'm I miss LA uh, and the theaters so much. Um, and then yeah. some of them just like won't be coming back for any for any time in the future which is like the saddest thing i've ever heard but yeah but anyway anyways uh so but we did you know i uh we did watch a, a movie um in our respective <laughs> ways uh it's definitely one of my favorite sequels to a movie that it, has it would be too. it would be your favorite i can't eat this is such a bad it's like oh my god it's so it's totally you of course of course no, you what i mean it. what i mean to say is that it's one of my favorite sequels that has nothing to, it really it really has nothing cosmetically similar to the original other than the fact that like of a location like it's like hello mary lou prom night 2 i think is supposed to take place in the same high school as prom night 1 but it's a completely different movie it's like this weird ghost movie um and and we watched amityville 2 the possession which i fucking love this movie and i i I have my reasons but um it's uh if you if you haven't seen it it's if you've seen amityville horror 1 which i i find first off i think amityville horror the original is such an overrated Fucking, wow, I I, I cannot stand the one with Margot Kidder and and James Brolin. I think it's yeah. so overrated. I don't wow. find it scary. I don't. I do not enjoy that one at all. Amityville Two is is kind of like an attempt at a prequel. Like what happened in the house before Margot Kidder and James Brolin? Like what could have possibly gone on that that caused, you know, because you know Amityville in in the first Amityville are like. Here's this great property. Oh, by the way, somebody, some family was murdered here. Um, but anyway, the price is cheap. Amityville 2 is like is about the family getting murdered and um I again I I will I will kind of dive into what I love about it. I would love to hear what you don't like about it cuz oh, uh it's it's just oh my god Mickey it, it's like it's so cheesy and like we, weirdly now when I say I don't like it I I don't but I found it to be humorous in a way um also, okay, so it it has a uh, Burt Young in it. Who I, I, is he? Just does he just play wife beaters? Like, was that just his whole career? You know, it, it's funny because I remember reading some reviews about or reading like you know contemporary stuff about him, like and Burt Young playing a surprising like like role reversal from his like role as, as Polly. Hey, well, he's never a wife beater in Polly in Rocky, but as Polly, kind he, of. He's he, an he loses his yeah, he's an asshole and loses his temper a little bit, but. 
But I saw Polly or Bert Young. Polly, I saw Bert Young in a movie per, that came out before Amityville Two called Blood Beach, where he basically pay, plays Polly from Rocky as a shitty LA cop, like a yeah. real garbage LA cop. So for me, this this role where he plays this abusive fuck. I mean, like I, I, I like there's nothing like you watch this movie from the word go. You're like, why is anybody? Why hasn't his wife left him? Why haven't the kids left home? Like, why does this guy still have any sort of semblance of a family? He's such a garbage human being. Um, yeah. Yeah. To me, it yeah, wasn't. So a they, big... all, they all move into this. <laughs> they all move into this new house. There's, there's obviously deranged. I mean, it's kind of funny because one of the first scenes is like, you know, the kids, and he's like, "What do you? What did you do?" And he has the belt. You know what I mean? And I was oh, like, yeah. I remember this, but like that doesn't mean that I want to see it. <laughs> Um, it's, it's really strange. It's like a mix. It's like a bad mix between Poltergeist and the exorcist. Yes. Um, so it, uh, it has a, what's her name? Diane Franklin, uh, Franklin uh, who is, I remember her from better off dead. That's the, uh, I, that's and last American virgin. Yeah. I love her. Um, well, yeah, better, Vision, which we did. Oh yeah, she was. That's right. Uh, that we did do. So, you know, it, it's interesting to see her, but like, it, even from the beginning, I was like, you know, there's a scene between sister and brother and like he says he says something off and I was like, that's a little strange. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, maybe it's not going that way. But I'm like, these siblings are definitely going to fuck at some point, I guess. Yep. You know, that's it. I was like, I was a little confused at first. I was like, is this how they're pushing it? Um, so it, it was directed by Damio Damiani. Damiano Damiani. Damiani. Damiano Damiani. Uh, it was what his first American movie or first into the American market. He was an Italian director. I also think it was, and, uh, yes, I also think it was his first horror film, which is interesting because I see pieces of that in this film. Obviously, like the, there's a color palette that is very much like within the Italian giallo uh genre. Uh, which he did a lot of, yes. Yeah, and so you see it, you can see those influences, but it, I I still don't think it's like. Those scenes are cool. Like even some of the monster makeup scenes are cool, which they reminded me of of a lot of like the eighties, like gory type of like silly monsters. But yeah. I thought it was fun. I, I really did. Um the cast is fun. Uh it's the that whole like weird love scene between the siblings was really strange like the whole lines are really strange it starts off with like the daughter just being like mommy doesn't make love to daddy anymore and it was like what what the fuck is going on here it, it, it just felt really strange to me like less sexy but like oh my god and then there's the priest i i don't know mickey i don't know i, I like uh... it but it's not good <laughs> Okay, so I mean, yeah, it's it's a it, here's the thing: this movie's a fucking sleaze fest. That's the best yeah. way to put it. It is sleazy as fuck. Damio uh, <laughs> Damiani, he you know, he did he directed a lot of Giallo and he did some Italian crime films, like two of which I, I was going through his, his filmography. Uh, the Devil Is a Woman, I love that title. Uh, mm -hmm. um, he also did a movie after Amityville Two, which called The Pizza Connection, which is a crime film. In, in America, it was called The Sicilian Connection, which was also and there's also another Italian American film called The Sicilian Connection, but um, he, he, you know, he wrote it and he, you know, he directed it. He wanted, um, it was, uh, Dino De Laurentiis produced it. Tommy Lee Wallace, who, uh, who, uh, was a carpenter. He's, he's, I think he's been childhood friends with carpenter, but he, um, he was, he worked on Halloween. Uh, mm. he directed Halloween three. He, this was one of his first screenwriting gigs. 
Uh, he would go on to direct Fright Night 2 and um, the first adaptation of It, Stephen King. Um, but he wrote this, in a, and, and then there's a uncredited screen work uh, from Dardano uh, Sacchetti, I think, and he was uncredited, and he did. He worked with a lot of. Uh, he worked with Fulci and, and uh, Lombardo Bava a lot, um, and I feel like that's where you, some of the weird things, like, oh, that's a weird thing in an American horror film. It's that if you see that, I think it's from Dardano Sacchetti or whatever his name is. Yeah, the uncredited screenwriter who did a few polishes on it. Um, but yeah, it's it's like you know, this family moves in. There's there's trouble. I mean, this family's fucked from the word go before there's even a before even a. a a, a, a whimper of a ghost this family's fucked because like yeah. they, you know, Kurt Young is just he's beating his wife he's smacking his kids around um he's clearly got a problem with his like his oldest son and also the oldest son and the the daughter the oldest daughter are kind of like have a weird you know you called it you know and, and yeah they go to the bone zone at one point um, <laughs> uh, and, and I don't, you know what here's the thing is that like i know we're supposed to believe that like um it's he's under the at this point the son is under the influence of of um of this whatever evil entity yeah yeah well they would have gotten there anyway you could just tell um but uh yeah you know they go there and like you know and what's weird is burt young is like this like like diehard atheist like the wife is very much catholic she invites this priest over to like bless the house because she's had some weird moments is like of like in the house already and uh and, you know, the priest shows up and Burt Young, like, has a fucking, like, you know, what the fuck are you doing in my house thing? And then the, the priest is like, all right, I'm out of here. And then, you know, all this bullshit. So, um, but yeah, so the, the, the oldest son gets possessed um, and uh, and then he hooks up with his sister. And then at one point, he um, on a rainy, stormy night, he fucking wipes out his entire fucking family with a, uh, a rifle. And actually, it's you know, here's the thing. Is that, yes, the movie's fucking ridiculous. But I remember this movie when I first saw it as a kid. I saw it on TV. The scene of him gunning down his family fucking freaked me out. Like, yeah, this point, uh, he's, he's, I think, yeah, especially for Americans, I feel like we're, like, so used to weird, like, gun violence like that, too. But it's still, like, something that, like, could totally happen at any time. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, and it's, like, he's, like, full-on killing, like, the little kids and everything. But, like, um, he's walking around the house with his fucking gun. He's clearly possessed because he's got, like, the possessed face now. Like, he's got the weird, you know, like, whatever. But, yeah. like, the way they shoot it is that, like, a lot of it's, like, you don't see him a lot, you know? And then when you do see him, it's, like, there's a flash of lightning. And he's, like, right behind somebody. And he's got, like, this fucking, like, he's demon guy. And he, like... Um, that that always stuck with me. Like that whole sequence scared the shit out of me as a kid. So I think that's one of the reasons why I have such a weird, um, you know, kind of a soft spot for this movie. It is totally sleazy. Um, uh, you know, there's that whole the whole incest thing that happens. Um, there's some. I mean, like a lot. Of, here's the thing: is that like half the movie is like you said, you you nailed it. it. Half the movie is like a haunted house movie, like Poltergeist. The other half is a possession movie, like The Exorcist. I think the first half is not my favorite stuff. You know, like. The weird, you know, it's the part where you're talking about with him, be, you know, with the belt and everything like that. It's because, you know, the paintbrushes start on their own painting the, the walls of the kid's bedroom and they paint the giant <laughs> pig from that we see in the first movie, right? Um, yeah. Cool. It and was, he's like, I know. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, you fucking kids, blah, blah. And it's like, first off, if the kids had that much talent to do that, I don't think I would be beating him. I think I'd be like, you know what? We're going to make some money off your art skills, you know? If I really thought my kids did that. Because, you know, there's same, no way a child could... <laughs> Same with that other scene where, like, something happens and, like, the, he r- comes running and he's like, what did you do? And starts beating them. And then, yeah. then he says, like, stop hitting those children. 
and he's yeah. like get out of here priest but it's like how yeah. could kids do that but i guess like if you're a a type of person who would beat your kids and wife anyway then you don't really need an excuse i guess uh to do so but yeah, it's like really strange like that this film there's some really cool camera angles in it you know like when um <laughs> which is i thought the scene was really funny when he's like tr the son sunny uh his name mm -hmm. is sunny uh is like transforming into a demon part there's like a weird he like walks into his room and then the camera angle like swoops around so it's like on top of him looking down and he falls on the bed and he has like you know he's like getting sick or whatever it, it was interesting it it's not terrible but it's like so silly in some points uh, yeah, all the haunted house stuff I think is boring as fuck, you know, like, the, oh, the mom feels like a weird presence behind her and all this bullshit and, like, but, like, once I we get into, laugh, like, yeah, um, in the beginning, you know, I did laugh when, like, he goes, the, the, he, she, they just moved in and they're having, like, someone check the house and he, like, goes into the crawl space and then, like, it literally looks like they're just taking, like, mud pies and, like, chucking them at this guy and he's like, what, what, what? Yeah, or like there's like a hand like in the walls or anything. That stuff is just whatever. yeah. They didn't but, even come back to that. Like what? But when we get to the part where he gets possessed, which it's funny too because the part where he gets possessed, or it's it's you know his body is changing. It's definitely of that era in the '80s where like you were saying before, it's like they were using like they had, I think in the kind of the mid '70s they had kind of started using that whole bladder effect where like you put like you know like kind of. I don't know, bags underneath, yeah. like, you know, whatever, and then you start blowing smoke or whatever to, like, make the, you know, the, the like, it, yeah, that bubbly feeling underneath the skin. You see a lot of it in, like, the howling. Um, You see a lot of it, I think, you know, a little bit of it in American Werewolf. You see it a lot. It was, like, the thing. It was, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe it as, like, the CGI of its time, but it was, like, it was a new thing that people were getting, it was kind of like uh, when Kubrick, um, use the steady cam in the shining and then everybody's like i want to fucking play with that toy you know it's like the same mm -hmm. type of like you can definitely see that you know um but i think that once we hit that moment and things start to get a little sleazy is when the movie starts getting like for me creepy like i'm like oh man they really gonna hook up like the brother and sister like um is that gonna happen oh it's happening you know and then um like there's a great scene in the movie that i feel like i i don't get freaked out watching movies anymore it's it's i i can I can call a lot of what's going to happen a lot of times. And it's just, it's, it's rare when a movie has a moment where I get the chills, but there was a moment where I got the chills watching this even now, even again, where it's like the whole family has been wiped out. And before the family had gotten wiped out, like Diane Franklin, like the, the, the sister that hooks up with her brother reaches out to this priest who's pretty much ineffectual and fucking useless. The, almost the entire movie. And then she's like, yeah. look, something's fucking going on in our house. Like, and my brother, something's happening. I mean, he's just like, uh, you know, I'm going to go hang out with my, my, my other priest friend. Yeah. You know, and he saw the dad beat those kids and he's like, oh, you need help with something. I'm going on vacation actually. So can you just like fuck off for a little while? <laughs> and then like, so after the whole family gets wiped out, he gets a phone call and it's the phone call. It's, it's from Diane Franklin, like asking for help, but she's already dead at this point. That scene to me really creeps me out. Like the idea of like, you know, oh shit, like that person that I completely like, didn't help and they're now they're fucking dead and now like i'm getting the phone call that i missed when they you know oh yeah that is so god i understand but anyway he like he he's convinced now the priest is finally convinced that this kid you know who gunned down his family is possessed so he goes like tries to get like a fucking you know right permission <laughs> to do an exorcism he doesn't get it so he just ends up kidnapping the kid from prison yeah bring, somehow they end up back in the house and he ends up doing this exorcism that doesn't work 
and they rip off the exorcist of the emery he's like yeah. oh people spirit coming to me and it's like Man, is this is this how exorcisms work? It's like you know, at the last page of the fucking right, where you're like, if none of this works, then just ask it to come into you, because um, I've seen it happen in in two movies now, maybe even three, um, and then the movie just kind of like up, oh, you know, we're and setting up for yeah, and then we're setting up for James Brolin and Margot Kidder to move in. And, um, I like that this was, you know, because when the actual murders happen, and you know, obviously the, this family's. The Montelli family is a fictionalized version of the DeFeo family. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the the son, you know, he gunned down his, um, you know, he, he, he family. His family. Yeah, you know, and like, I, I, he had so many different stories as to what happened. Like, one was it was like a mafia style execution that, like, uh, two was that he did it, but he didn't remember doing it. I think even at one point he did say that there was something in, you know, something came over him and he just did it and he didn't have any control over himself. He changed his story so many times that, like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, I thought, I thought in the movie, you know, in the scene where he, you know, he kills his whole family and then he's, he sees the priest and he's yelling and the cops are like, shut up. And then he yeah. starts whispering it and mouthing it. I thought that was creepy. I thought that was probably the creepiest part of the whole movie. I also yeah. thought this movie was going to end at least 20 times before it did. And then I was like, yeah. oh, we're, we're going into jail now. We're going yeah. into the case. Like, this is really, this priest really wants to absolve this guy, but really wants to absolve himself of any wrongdoing of not being a priestly guy and ignoring, yeah. you know, his parishioners or whatever. Uh, which I thought was interesting. I'm not sure if it was supposed to go that way, but it felt like that to me. Uh, yeah. It was kind of strange ending. And also when he was like, come into me, this is like when he's like ripping off his skin to unveil this monster. And I was like, are you sure? Like if I saw, you know, I'd be like, stay yeah. in that boy. I, I'd be, you know what? <laughs> uh, I, I fucked up. I, uh, I made a huge mistake. I, <laughs> I, just, I, I don't think it's a, uh, you know? Yeah. Let's just like let's just do a do like do over. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put take you back to prison and uh, or I'm just gonna get the fuck away and just be like you know what chalk it up as a loss. But hey man, dedication. If you're gonna be like, oh yeah, you just split and you just some weird thing just burst out of you. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> I'd be I'd be getting the fuck out of there. I yeah, but I then know. what? He's the kid's like kind of normal and like then what? Like he goes back to jail. <laughs> Well, that's the thing is that like it kind of ends with like so his his buddy his other priest buddy who was also in the town that dreaded sundown which is another movie because this, this movie has a few different people that or at least two that we were like oh we've seen them in other movies we've covered um his buddy like takes the kid out of the house and the cops show up and um i guess we're supposed to think that like well the demon's gone so clearly the kid's gonna get off i don't know i don't know where we're ending yeah with this, is he gonna you know? like, like kidnap well you know like take him and like drop him off in Mexico. Like, what do we do? What are we doing here guys? And then like, yeah. I don't know. It was very strange. It was, I thought it was kind of funny, but I was like, this priest obviously didn't think this through. Like, okay, so he's, yeah. he's absolved himself of sin. Demon's gone. And then what? Like he goes back to prison or he's on the run for the rest of his life. Like you didn't really think this whole thing through. <laughs> right. And like, you know, and, and you know, it's got that whole thing. He was like, I want to do an exorcism and like the head, you know, like the, the car. What I don't know if he's supposed to be the cardinal or not. It's played by Leonard Chimino, who is uh, oh, there we go, Leonard Chimino, who was a scary German guy in Monster Squad. He's like, no, we're not giving you permission to do this. Just stay the fuck away from that whole fucking scenario. Like, just you didn't fucking help that family out when you could. Just leave it alone. You know, it's like yeah, you you fuck this up. Like yeah, you're just making it worse. <laughs> yeah, dude, just like just just chalk, take a loss. You know, like um. And uh, and then again, I mean, look, let me be honest. If I was a priest and I got a fucking weird phone call from the dead person, I'd be like, 
all right, well, either I change my number or I fucking do this exorcism. One or the other, you know? So yeah. um, he goes with, with the other. And that clearly uh, I, didn't work if, yeah. if the house is going to be haunted for forever. Um, yeah. uh, but I don't know. Have you ever been to the real house? I've been by it a bunch of times. It's in Long Island. No. And like, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I think the other reason why I'm so like, uh, I do not like the original is because like, it, I feel, I feel it's been proven multiple times that like the, um, the family that, you know, like the, the, that James Brolin and Margot Kidd like were full of shit. Oh yeah. Hope, that they you know? made it up. Yeah. And like the I, people who live in that house are like, you know, we, we've had nothing weird happen in this house except for people showing up to look at the house. Like, because oh, but movie. that like, happens any like uh fucking Nightmare on Elm Street. You, we both know where that is, and there's there's probably no amount of time where they haven't had someone in the yard taking pictures, including myself. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, Kate and I went. I dressed up as Freddie, and she dressed up as Nancy, and we went there and took pictures. I mean, but here's the thing: is that the people at the Nightmare on Elm Street house are actually surprisingly really cool. I think they've kind of like, hey, you know what? It's a part of fucking history, you know. Um. But whereas, like, the other people, like, you know, the that own the house in Long Island are just like, oh, my God, we just want to fucking do our lawn and not have people drive up and just take pictures. It's like, um, I don't know. I, I feel like if you live in L.A. and you are you live in a place that's been kind of like that's been used as like a, a, an iconic location, you've kind of resigned yourself to the fact that, like, you're going to get people showing up. Whereas if you're living out in the middle of fucking Long Island and, like, you just want to fucking go about your business and these two of these assholes are going around saying your house is haunted. Um, but uh, you know it's it's uh i i like i said i i like amityville too just because it's i don't like it as a haunted house movie i think it's a garbage haunted house movie i like it as a weird like demonic possession movie that has like you know some weird sleaziness and i like the fact that it was this italian director um who doesn't quite understand american horror films yeah so you have this yeah that's what it feels like Exactly and right. I like that. I like it because I, I, I think one of the things I like about Italian horror is that it's so, you know, Italian horror movies are so specific to Italy, you know, that like when we see them in America, there's just something that's off to us about it. And I think it's part of the the charm. It's like, um, what was the interview on In Search of Darkness 2 uh, that, you know, the documentary about 80s horror movies? Uh, one of the actresses from the movie Demons is talking about how people come up there and like, oh, we love you and all these Italian horror movies you did, but they don't make any sense. And she's like, they do make sense, but they make sense to Italian audiences. And I was like, ah, you know, I never, I never thought of that, that like, you know, another country has a different idea of like, this is how a movie is told. This is how a story is yeah. told, you know? And I well, like really, that. Until we did our like around the world thing, we saw like yeah. so many different cultures and how they interpret things, you know, within their film. So exactly. You know, <laughs> it's like when we, you know, for us, like Japanese horror, like, you know, with, with the girls, with the, the, the long black hair, it's like, it's such a weird it's such a weird like, staple of the, you know, but in J- Japan, it's like normal, you know, it's like, it's their ghost story, you know? And like, to us, it's like, oh, it's that weird Japanese thing where like girls with long black hair and you can't see their face and they're crawling out of wells or TVs or <laughs> bathtubs. And it's like, I dig that shit, man. And like, um, I, and, and Amityville 2 is just like a really, it's, it's an Italian horror movie trying to be an American horror movie. And it just, it's, it's so wacky. And like, um, I guess Dino De Laurentiis didn't have the rights, you know, he wanted to make a sequel and he didn't have the rights to the, the Lutz families or, or whatever their fucking name is. The um, Fayos. No, 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 oh, no, the family, oh, the, 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 the after, ones who, yeah. Yeah. 
he didn't have the rights to any of their stuff because they were like they wanted like no we want we want Amityville two to be based on our second book that we had released and they're like no we don't want to do that so I think the the rights thing got kind of caught up so it was like he had to make a he had to make a different type of movie so that's why it goes into the direction of like um you know half a haunted house half a possession movie and and um I dig it man I dig it way more I think it's sleazier I think it's oh, it's more horrific than the first Amityville horror which I just I find so laughable and so frustratingly boring that I'm like, um, I kind of want to rewatch it now. It's been a long time, but I just remember James Rowland in it and you know, his serious beard face, you know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah. maybe I need to rewatch it. Cause it's been, you know, years since I've seen it, but I remember it being scary, but I could have just been in a different space. I think I think I, I think prefer so, I watched... the Ryan Reynolds one where he's like crazy and shirtless and like chopping wood. That, I thought it was a pretty great remake. I, I have not, I have not seen that. But that's that. the I only mean, I, part I remember, to be honest. And you know, it's funny because I remember when that remake came out. I was like, that's that's something interesting to me. Interesting to me is like a remake of a movie that I don't, I didn't like the first time around because maybe the remake will be better. Uh, I usually, I often, you know, we've talked about this. I don't, I'm not usually a fan of remakes. So I'm like, well, it was done right the first time. Amityville Horror remake. I was like, well, I didn't care for the original, so maybe they 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 nailed it. I didn't hear good things, but um. I don't know. I, I don't think it matters if yeah. uh, if Ryan Reynolds is <laughs> murdering his whole family. At least he's shirtless. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's my review uh, for the 2005 Amityville for everybody. Good. good. Um, I see. Now I wanted them to remake Amityville too, and just because like I'm, like, that's the thing. That's the other thing I love about Amityville too is that what 1980, 81, 82, 82. Yep. Yeah. Um. Could not See, here have, is Poltergeist, actually, yeah. which is interesting. They ain't gonna make it. They wouldn't make a movie like that today, you know. Where a movie where it's just like so, like oh, from the get go, from the word get go, you just want to, you want to, you want to take a shower. You're just like, oh, this movie's dirty. This movie's grimy. Like, oh, they're it totally is, gonna, yeah, they're gonna do it. And um, and I I know we're harping on that one thing, but it's just, it's a weird fucking moment where it's like. Um, where you see it coming a mile away and you're like, I don't think they're going to go there. Well, it's, gonna go there. it's not only that too. It's like the abuse from the beginning. You're like, Oh, okay. This is just, a, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like but I, I do, I, I did enjoy it, but it is just a mess. <laughs> yeah. It's again, it's my, uh, it's, it's not hello. Mary Lou is probably my favorite, um, of the sequels that really bear little resemblance to the original like that mm-hmm. that's still gonna be up there but amityville 2 is very close second i just i really do love how just gross this movie feels and that's the best way to describe it it's just it's gross yeah it is it is it is pretty gross <laughs> well good Gra- glad we're uh we're covering the gross category <laughs> some yeah, yeah we had to at some point yeah um no it, it's interesting it's it's worth a watch um in the right mood, I guess you could say, like if you're looking for like a serious horror movie, which is kind of why I haven't been watching anything. I haven't watched anything new, at least. I, I wanted like something that called to me and I was just like so bored with everything, but this is this is pretty funny. It actually like, it made me chuckle a few times and it was clever in some parts and like, I'm glad I watched it. Few, but yeah, a few parts. <laughs> yeah, a few parts. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we watched it too. Um, just sometimes you gotta go, you gotta get dirty. Um, yeah, I found this for rent. Unfortunately, I don't think it's anywhere streaming anymore. It was on Shutter, but I think they just got rid of it. Oh no! Yeah, they got Too rid of like, Shutter. Got rid of uh, this. I mean, they must have gotten rid of this. Um, I know they got rid of the Devils, which was like, 
every so often they get that movie on there and you got to fucking jump on it because Warner Brothers is in no fucking rush to release that on on uh DVD. If you haven't seen Ken Russell's The Devils, find it next time it's on Shutter and check it out. Um but yeah. Um that is uh Amityville 2. <laughs> Amityville 2. Um, yeah. Yeah. So check us out on um Instagram. Let us know if you've seen Amityville 2 and and if you too are, if you too find this movie to be a uh, a delightful, uh, weird movie Sweet about incest, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let us know if you're into the weird incest demon shit. Um, <laughs> there's there's so few of us around these days, you know. It's nice to have that support group. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll be back. Uh, check us out on video underscore vampires on Instagram, and um, I don't know. Not, guess that's all. Anything? That's all, folks. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. The night of February 5th, 1976, George and Kathleen Lutz and their three children fled their home in Amityville, New York, and never returned. For them, the horror was over. Their living nightmare shocked audiences around the world in the Amityville horror. But before them, Another family lived in this house and were caught by the original evil. The Lutzes escaped with their lives, but the previous owners weren't so lucky. Look at it! Hours! Heavenly Father, bless our new home watch over us as we become a part of the For the Montelli family, it was their dream house until it turned into a nightmare. Who's there? I'm scared. What was in this house? No. What evil could drive their son to madness no. and destroy everything and everyone he loved? Amityville 2, The Possession.